0: All right, everybody. We are back with the showcast after that break. Uh, like we said earlier on in the in the program, this is a twofer this week, and this gentleman is certainly somebody we are very excited to speak with this time around. Earlier on, uh, last year and earlier this year, we've been lucky enough to speak with Colin Mockery and Brad Sherwood and Greg Proops, uh, who were all great guests, but this guy is one of my personal favorites. From Whose Line Is It Anyway, airing Fridays on the CW at 8 o'clock, please welcome to the Showcast, Mr. Ryan Stiles. Ryan, thanks a lot for joining us.
1: Wait a minute, you had those guys on before me, so you're kind of taking the bottom of the barrel. No, we're not... (laughs) It, it's just, it's you, just the way.
2: I think you were originally unavailable. Yeah. But is yeah. Josie Lawrence not available? Or, uh... Well, we originally
0: trying for Clive, but that was a little harder to get too.
2: Yeah,
1: Clive's a lawyer. Clive would never do this. Yeah. He about, uh,
2: Look, d- don't tell any of the other guys because I didn't. But you are my personal favorite on the show, so we save well, the best thanks, for so last. Yeah, I'm there not you go. I'm
1: Going to listen to uh, reruns of those shows to say uh, you probably said the exact same thing to call. But
0: I'm <laughs> check it out. Check it out um getting started a little bit on the interview i know a lot of something a lot of people don't know about you and i didn't even really know until we started you know looking reading into you a little bit more is you're primarily known for improv comedy but you actually got your start at a very young age performing stand-up
1: yeah i did i actually quit high school to do stand-up in 1976 i was up in vancouver i was growing up up there and uh I think the drinking age at that time up there was nineteen and I had fake ID to get in to do stand up. So I think it was sixteen <laughs> or seventeen. And it wasn't real stand-up wasn't really popular at that time. People didn't you know there wasn't a stand up club in every city and it was kind of that David Brenner era around there, so it wasn't, you know when we did it at clubs and stuff, people really didn't know what it was yet. Yeah, so, uh, it was kinda of fun before everybody started doing it and then, you know, everybody started doing it. It wasn't as much fun. And I didn't like writing. That was my hardest to, it was the hardest thing about stand-up for me, so when I got into improv, it was perfect because I could still be funny, but I didn't have to write any.
3: Yeah.
0: So I, I'm I'm assuming it's pretty safe to say then that you don't... You stick primarily to improv now. You don't still go out there and, and try stand-up at all?
1: Uh, I, you know, I do. I mean, I have my own theater where I live here, so I'll go out and, you know, uh, sometimes go out before the show and warm up the crowd, but I don't think of it as stand-up, but I guess I am doing stand-up, you know, like, I kind of have to give me the light my own theater. But, uh, you know, I'll do 20 minutes, but it's not prepared stuff. It's just kind of talking to the crowd. But, you know, it's it's a whole different feeling walking out doing improv. And when you come out as a stand-up, they, they kind of realize you've worked in your material. And there's kind of a make-me-laugh kind of attitude. But when you come out as an improviser, they realize they're responsible for what you're doing. So it's a much warmer feeling. I and mean, they, they want it to work because, you know, they're behind you on it. But, uh, yeah, I, I prefer it. I, I don't think I'd want to go back to stand-up. Anymore. Yeah.
2: And you, you mentioned your your theater that you opened up front theater, and that, that's in Bellingham, Washington, right?
1: Yeah, we're in our eleventh year. When you know, when Drew and whose line kind of ended well, whose line ended the first time. <laughs> it's not to get it won't go away. But uh, <laughs> when those two shows ended, and I, you know, was here permanently, I got tired of either going to Vancouver or Seattle to do improv. So uh, there was a lot of people. It's a university town. There was a lot of people doing improv here. So I built a theater and they run it, and I just drop it and do shows. So it's perfect.
3: Yeah,
2: how often do you get to get a chance to actually join in uh, on the
1: shows there? I'll be there tonight. I go every Thursday if I'm in town. And uh, they have kind of uh, Thursday is kind of Harold long form night, so I kind of do that. People think I do games all the time because of who's lying, but I, I prefer not to do games. I kind of like to do scene work, longer form work. So, uh, And on the weekends, they have set shows, so I don't usually go out on the weekends. I got kids and stuff. But every Thursday, I, I'm usually down there. At least once a week, I'm on for sure, somewhere.
2: And is it, is it all mostly improv, or do, they, do you guys have some stand-up people there as well? And...
1: I, I think like two-thirds two, uh, two days at the 10 o'clock show a month they have stand-up. So we do it like twice, okay. twice, twice a month. But it's not known as a stand-up club. It's more of an improv sketch kind of place. So
2: That's cool. Did, did any, has anybody you know, that you know started there maybe and, and kind of grown on and, and gone on to do like bigger, bigger theaters and things of that nature?
1: Um, you know, I have a lot of people that moved away to do improv other places, to Chicago and New York and Los Angeles, and you know, but uh, you know, no Steve Carells or anything. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, they're <laughs> all pretty. That's still pretty, pretty young, cool, though. You know, so, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's no, it's cool, and you know, some come back and some stay, and you know, we revolve all the time. We lose members and we get new ones, and it's it's kind of cool. And it keeps me young because I'm working with the younger people all the time. So, yeah, you know, I kind of I kind of like it. And they Dr- all they all grew up watching Who's Line, you know, so.
2: I was gonna say Drew came up for a show before, hasn't he?
1: Drew's been up, Colin's been up. They've all been up. All the guys have been up. Uh, Great groups cool. has done his podcast for my theater, I think two or three times. So uh, yeah, they've all done it at one point or another.
0: Okay. Um, and You mentioned that you know that people expect you to play games and stuff like that, and, and because of Who's line. And I, I want to switch to that just for a minute because obviously it's what you're known for. So we, we really, you can't really avoid it as much as we'd like to talk to you about you know stuff that people don't talk to you about. Uh, so, I, but I'm curious. Out of, uh, over the years, you've done over 200 episodes of Who's Line? You know, you did the iteration. You started with Clive, went through Drew, now you're with Aisha on the current iteration. You've done a ton of different games throughout all that time, and I think you you've made no bones about it. At least from what I've seen, definitely through the Drew years, that one of your least favorite games is the Hoedown. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you know what? I think I think my least favorite games are the ones that we do all the time until we give it a break, you know? I mean, we don't do it as much in the new version. We'll do it like once every six shows or something, so that's great. But yeah, anything we do a lot, I just kind of get tired of, you know? And plus, I'm, I'm usually last in <laughs> Yeah. So the first thing that I think of, I just throw away because I know Colin's going to be doing it before me. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, it's just after a while, it just gets to... I prefer... I, I actually prefer games that aren't... Like that, I've for games that are kind of more scenic, you know, where we're playing a scene rather than props or something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah. it changes all the time. If I do a game a lot, I get really bored of it. You know, we leave it for a while. We come back to it, then it's kind of exciting again. But I don't, you know, hold on for years. We get every show. Yeah, for a while, it's like oh, give me a break, you
0: know, <laughs> I mean, for a while, it seemed like that's how you guys would end the show. Yeah, um, you know, well, for, I
1: mean, for a while, it's not necessarily how we end the show <clears throat> while we're taking it. It's you, you, you usually get two or three shows out of every taping, you know, so, uh, you know, while we're taping, it might be in the middle of the show, but yeah, usually, usually end up the show with it, for sure, but, uh, back, especially in the old days, in the English version, but, uh, yeah, we we got a lot of new games now, so uh, it's kind of nice that we've kind of switched it up a bit, because, you, you know, you, you do get bored doing the same stuff all the time, you know? yeah. and also you're going to kind of, you're going to get same suggestion, and eventually you're gonna you're kinda you're gonna to have to change if you get plumber. You're gonna to have to find nine different ways to do be plumber because you can't fix stuff all the time. You know. <laughs>
2: it seems like you, you guys don't want to do that. Yeah. It seems like you guys do helping hands a lot on the on the new or at least this season. Do you get tired of that at all? Having uh, Colin shove well, various well, you know, things in your mouth
1: it's kind of a little different because I'm usually doing it with someone different. We usually have a guest right. star doing it. With the you know, guests, so the yeah. situation that I'm doing it is different. So I, I'm usually playing off them. So I'm not thinking of, about it just being hands, you know, calling right. hands to me, Which people forget sometimes <laughs> that he's making me, you know, lick his fingers. And, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's really, I, it just occurred to me last year after doing the show for, you know, what, 15, 16 years or whatever, that maybe he should, you know, during a commercial break, maybe take a shot of Purell or something. <laughs> I've never thought about it before. Yeah. I never did in all those years. He's just shoving his, his fingers in my mouth and he's not, you know, he's not the cleanest of guys
2: called. Have you ever choked on anything that he's shot? Because it, it's a miracle that you haven't, at least on camera, that I've seen.
1: Yeah, no, I've almost tapped a few times on stuff. I just don't like it. I think he shoved the entire, I do don't—I hate brie for one thing, and he shoved an entire wedge of brie down my throat. <laughs> and uh, you know those little onions, those cocktail onions? Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: He he dumped a bowl of that juice down my throat one time. Uh-huh. I almost got it. Yeah, I almost capped on that one. But <laughs> like anything he'll take, like he'll take, you know, he'll make a burrito and like put all these ingredients in it, and then he'll just squeeze it into a ball so the <laughs> sour cream's just like oozing out of it, you know, and then he'll make me take a bite of it, that kind of stuff. If I start to think about it, it starts to make me cack. But, uh, <laughs> if, if it was real life and it wasn't a TV show, I'd throw up. Yeah, now, the fact that it's a TV show and the adrenaline's going, you know, it's kind of different. Yeah, it
0: seems like with a game like that, it would almost be dangerous to tell Colin what you like and what you don't, because it yeah. seemed like he would make a focus of the things that you don't.
1: Oh, he's just—he's just, he's just going to brutalize me any way he possibly can. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but you got to remember, my hands are behind my back, so they're, they're really close to his nuts. So
0: are out of all the games that you play, are there any that you find that kind of come easier than other ones? That ones you can just walk into, or you hear that they're going to play it, and you know, okay, I, I got this down. Like this is going to be easy.
1: Um, you know, I used to, I used to like and people don't think of me as a singer, but I do like the musical numbers. We used to have a thing called Bartender that I really yeah. like we have to sing through. And, and like, even the three-person, like, you know, when we sing one word at a time or whatever, I, I like that kind of stuff. It's just different, and I like to sing because people don't expect me to do that, so that's always fun. But, uh, you know, I try to dread games again that we play a lot, like, you know, First Date or, you know... Games like that, it's like, oh man, how many ways can I do this, or you know, a newscast or whatever. It's like, oh god, please don't make me do this. <laughs> so we're always excited to get new stuff, you know, new games. Yeah. Even if they don't work, at least we're trying new stuff. It's, yeah, because it's for us. It's you know, it's not like a TV show. It's not like doing Two and a Half Men or Drew Carey, where we do a scene and then we do it three or four times again. For for, from an audience standpoint, we never reshoot anything, so we'll we'll do twenty or thirty games a night. So it's like a show for them. It's like a stage show, you know. Yeah. If it works, if and when we were selling the show, when I was selling it with Drew here when it came to America. They said, you know, what if something doesn't work? And I said, we need stuff that doesn't work because if everything works, nobody's going to believe it's improvised. So, right. you know, it's really kind of a no-lose no, no lose kind of situation, you know.
0: Yeah, and I've seen um, – I, I know it's floating around YouTube and I have it on my computer as well. I've seen there's – it's probably like a good like 45-minute long outtake reel and it shows a lot of that. It shows a lot of the games that don't work, you know, because somebody screwed up or somebody couldn't think of something off the top of your head. Or in your case in particular, it seems like you swear more than anybody else. <laughs> you no, know,
1: Greg, probably, Greg probably swears more than anybody else, but I usually get caught at it more than anybody else, because uh, I, mean, I make the least amount of mistakes. So, uh, but yeah, no, Greg's, Greg's notorious for throwing a fuck here or a fuck there, yeah. You know, but yeah. Uh, you know, we're also playing with the crowd that's there, you know. So if something doesn't work, we're just, you know, fuck. You know, you, you, gotta, you gotta tell the crowd that you're, you know, you're kind of frustrated, you know. Yeah. But they're, they're with us, they want it to work. So it's not like, you know, and we just redo it. You know, that's usually a game that, if, if it's usually a song or something where someone blows a lyric or something. And we'll just start <laughs> over immediately, you know, so.
0: Yeah. And so, I know, it, you know, you, you may say you make the least amount of mistakes, but uh, at least when it comes to Colin, you tend to break more than anybody else. 'Cause it seems like he can make you break
1: quite a bit. Yeah, he just cracks me up. You know, I've known Colin <laughs> since uh, since Vancouver. I mean, we started doing theater sports in Vancouver in I wanna say eighty two. So I mean that's how long I've known Colin, you know, close to forty years. So but at the same time I've you know, Colin lives in Toronto. We've talked on the phone in forty years, maybe maybe five times. And I'm not exaggerating. Wow. We just don't keep in touch. <laughs> So when we see each other once or twice a year, when we do this line, it's like, hey, Howard, it's like a brother, you know, that you don't see yeah. a long time. Yeah. But uh, we've known each other for so long, I know what he's doing behind my back. So, <laughs> uh, but he can, you know, he cracks me up sometimes. He just he just, He just he'll say something and it sneaks up on me and I don't think I'm going to laugh, but uh, he gets me, you know.
0: Yeah, he had, he had <laughs> mentioned is, it. Which
1: is what we want, too, you know. From an audience standpoint, if they see you're having fun, it's easier for them to have fun, you know. Yeah, but uh, we don't. We definitely don't, you know, pimp it and you know try to do it. I mean, if he makes me laugh, it's because he's making me laugh, not because I'm trying to make the audience laugh. You know?
0: Yeah, he had he had mentioned it when we had interviewed him earlier, um, and I remember it. I, I remember it as clear as day because it's one of my favorite moments of the show. Just like the uh, the tapioca incident, if you remember. Oh, that it.
1: just got me because you know, <laughs> and that's the thing. You know, Ricky Ricardo number one half an audience isn't going to know who that is. Uh, and that song, I know what song Mickey Ricardo sang that sounded like what he was singing, and that's what made it funny to me is the fact that we knew that song, but 80% of the people watching that show had no idea what he was talking about. So that's what made it really funny to me. Half yeah. the audience watching doesn't remember I Love Lucy, you know. So the fact that he did it to that, and, you know, it just cracked me. He's got a few things. It's usually during Greatest Hits that he gets me. Yeah. <laughs> he just comes, uh, I think, uh, Black Eye, Black, what was it, uh, uh, he got me for some other singing group too. He got me one time that I couldn't stop laughing. And when I start laughing, I can't stop laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't laugh yeah, hard like that, but I'm very, very often like that. But when he gets me, he gets me. Yeah. You know? I know another one you
2: see a lot of people break with is the questions game. Does that, does that game ever get like competitive to, to see how long you can stay up there asking questions? I know uh, you and Colin are pretty good going back and forth with it. At least, do does anybody really get into it?
1: Well, you know, no, you can't, I mean, you can't be competitive in improv, you just can't do it, it's not like, you know, that's another thing about stand-up, I mean, stand-ups are incredibly competitive with each other, they want to be better than the one that's on before and are after, but, I mean, that, that just doesn't work in improv, I and mean, if, someone's, if someone's wants to be the star of the show, then everybody else will just shut them down, because, you know, if you don't get offers, you can't do anything funny, so... Right. You know, if someone's trying to be a hot dog, it's just, you're not going to do it because I'm not, I'm not going to offer you anything. I'm not going to make you funny. So, yeah. you know, if I walk across as a waiter in a scene and never say a word, I'm just as responsible for the laughs in that scene as everybody else, you know. But uh, what, what we do do sometimes in questions only is if you're on a roll and it looks like you're just not going to be buzzed out, you'll purposely say something that's not a question because you want the other guy to get in. yeah. yeah. So that's more the case than not being able to think of something or getting competitive. It's usually dying on purpose. you know the art is not to die on purpose to make it look like you're dying so the other guy can get in yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? it's yeah. to make it look like you really did die you know
0: um it,
1: questions, that's a pretty easy game just to ask questions all the time yeah, yeah it really is. as long as you keep the scene going you can you can you can ask questions all
3: day you know yeah
2: it's it's funny though you can definitely tell when one of the questions throws the other person off, which is. One of the funnier moments, especially with some uh, it was one of the more recent episodes I don't remember which one it was this this season, but Colin had on like the that trout thing that you know that little yeah. musical trout that everybody had well there there was like a mask yeah. or something that he had on him. Right. and you, you had walked out and just essentially turned right back around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes
1: he's not even wearing anything, and he gets me. He's just such an odd-looking like, man. But um, you know, I mean, it, it's, you're taught to do exactly, or I mean, you're doing what you're you're taught not to do. If you go, you know, call, and I both came out of Second City, and and you know, most improvisers are taught not to ask questions in scenes. That's what you're taught not to do. And suddenly you're doing a game where that's all you do. You know, so it's it's pretty hard to do because any other time you improvise, you're not going to ask questions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know another thing you're, you're 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 pretty known for and you're, you're good at and, and you'll have to forgive me because I'm gonna geek out because a couple of my favorite scenes are are part of this but you're you're good at doing a lot of impressions you know throughout yeah, it not
1: really I'm not really I mean, you know every every interview I do people will say oh I, you know like you're known for doing Carol Channing and John Wayne well I'm not really I mean I've done them on a few shows and they make me do it on a few shows but I only do impressions that everybody in the world can do. Everybody can do John Wayne, and everybody can do Carol Channing, and everybody thinks they can do Christopher, Christopher Walker. You know, yeah. So I'm not doing like I'm not doing like Bruce Dern or any like, incredibly hard people to do. You know, but I, it's just it's a you know it's a bad impression, of, <laughs> a bad impression. But, you know, John yeah. Wayne anybody can do John Wayne. I just do a bad John Wayne. You
0: know, and Jimmy, I will tell you though one of the impressions that you have done there, there were two in particular. One of them was uh, you were playing. Um, I think it was Party Quirks, and you had to do uh, Ch- Carol Channing in love with the shag carpeting, and you ended up oh. you ended up breaking yeah. the neon light on yeah. Drew's desk with your head.
1: Yeah, everybody was very concerned until they found out that I was okay, and then they couldn't stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and the other time it, it threw me for a complete loop because I never expected it. Um, I don't remember what game it was, but I was always I grew up watching uh, one of my favorite shows. Even when I was a younger kid, was Taxi. And right you in one game just in the middle of it, you threw out your impression of Christopher Lloyd from Taxi. Yeah. And yeah. I
1: I mean I can I can do a Christopher Lloyd, but the thing is, I mean most of the time like when we're on tour and stuff and we're doing colleges, nobody knows who's <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> You know, Taxi, nobody's ever watched that show. So they just, they don't know what you're doing. They just think you're doing it on character. Yeah. You know? So uh I don't, with, you know, i I mean, I'll be in the middle of the scene sometime with Colin and I'll whip out like an F Troop reference or something and he'll be like, hey, good job, F Troop, you know, <laughs> uh, but you know, that's what we grew up in and that's, it's like, I love Lucy, you know, yeah. people don't know those things, but we have to do that because that's what makes us laugh, so, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do a one direction scene, <laughs> I can care less about one direction, you know, I'm going to do what I know, you
0: know. Or a Justin Bieber impression or anything like that.
1: Well, Justin Bieber. I'm not going to do an impression just
0: Justin to make fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of easy.
2: Before we uh, before we let you get going, I, I think one thing that I know I often forget about, but you were actually in both uh, iterations of Hot Shots, Hot Shots One, and then Hot Shots Part right. Two, which is yeah. I, I think Part Two is probably one of my favorite spoof movies of all time. And I haven't watched one in a while because if I'm going to watch one, I just I just go straight to two. Um, that's right. But I mean, how how was it working? You know, with like Charlie Sheen and everybody that w- that was in those back then, and, and you were even two separate characters in, in each of them.
1: Well, you know what the odd thing is is that I end up doing two and a half men for you know I, I ended up doing it for ten yeah. years off and on, you know. But the, the fact that both uh, Charlie and John were both in the first Hot Shots. So <laughs> oh, that's right! I forgot John Cryer was in the yeah, first yeah, one. Yeah, I was in it too. done that show when i started doing two and a half i already knew these guys yeah and i already knew charlie because we shot all my stuff up in in, you know sacramento and around there like in those rice fields where the boat was and all this stuff so we spent a lot of time together just doing nothing so uh, i already knew charlie when i started hot shots you know so or when i started two and a half and so and john as well so it was a comfortable thing to come into but it's amazing like you know, as your career goes along, you don't feel like you're getting older. You still feel like you're in your 20s, you know, but then you look back and you go, oh, wait a minute, I did a film with this guy like 25 years ago. So, <laughs> so, so, which Hot Shots is? I think at least probably 25 years ago. Uh, yeah, uh, 20, so, so what, yeah,
2: the first one was 24.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I mean, you look back and you don't feel like you're getting older, but you look back and, like, wow, you know, it was a long time ago that, you know, I to look back and I go, well, Charlie was young, and I was young too. Holy smokes, you know. <laughs> but you, you don't think of it that way. You just think of it. You, all you want to do is, you know, to me, I could care less about, you know, award shows. And you know, when I was nominated for an Emmy, I never even went to the Emmys because I think it's a big fashion show anyway. So, but, you know, I, I and Drew didn't, didn't do that either. Drew would, you know, go, he'd pull up in the limo and then he'd have the driver just keep going because he just couldn't go into the thing. But to me, it's more important. And having a star or having an award or whatever is to have the respect to your peers. So, I mean, like, it's like two and a half. Man, I never had an audition for that show because Chuck Lorre, who produced it, I, I did a darling break for him. I did one episode. So he just asked me to do it. So it, it's kind of nice in the business to be, to have people to know your work and respect you for your work rather than to just, you know, be on a reality show or be on a talk show. Yeah. You know, I have nothing to talk about on talk shows. I get asked to do talk shows all the time. It's like, what am I going to talk about? Me? <laughs> It's like people that write books about themselves. I'm not going to read a book about somebody I could care less about them. <laughs> like, you know? People say, "Oh, you should write a book about what?" <laughs> you know, about me? Who's going to read that? You know. Was uh, there? I did not do that until my, my mother died. Anyway, I couldn't write a book about myself. You know, my mom knowing what I did. You know, <laughs> during, during the eighties. You know. <laughs>
2: with with all, I mean, with Hollywood these days uh, and movies and everything like that, everything's a remake or a sequel. Was there ever a talk about a third Hot Shots at
1: any point in time? No, I never heard him talk about that. Oh man, I You know what they're speaking of? Uh, you know, maybe not now. Bringing back. You know what they're planning on doing? They're playing. You know, The Rock. The, the movie? Dwayne Johnson or whatever. No, the, oh, rock, the, the actor. The oh, rock yeah, Dwayne yeah. Johnson. I are, think he's going by Dwayne Johnson. Are now because
0: he's an actor. Are you about to bring uh, up the, the horrible idea for the, the reboot of a movie that I think is dumb um, with the... It's a particular 80s movie with Kurt Russell? Yeah. Can you uh,
1: you believe
0: I believe that? I, it's... I, we talked about this on the it's podcast sacrilege. earlier. It's sacrilege. It absolutely is, because for one, it's a movie that doesn't need to be remade. And I'm glad uh, you know another celebrity agrees with us on this. And two, Jack Burton, if you look back at that movie, Jack Burton was kind of like a bumbling idiot. He wasn't a hero until the very end of that movie.
1: No, it's exactly right. They're just going to destroy the movie. They did the same thing. To every movie I've ever loved, like I don't know if you guys remember a movie called The Out of Towners. It was oh, yeah, they remade that a few years ago with Steve Douglas. Oh, Oh, yeah, that's right, guys. Yeah, no, no, they did The In-Laws with Michael Douglas, which is another great movie with Peter Falk. And uh, that was a great movie if you've never seen that. The In-Laws, it's super funny. And they remade that, but no, The Out of Towners was uh, Steve Carell and Tina they remade it. It was horrible, yeah. You know those movies are gems because of who did them and, and the time they were made. And, and really, do we have that little imagination that we can't think of new movies? rather than yeah. bringing these well, well, One. The Rock. The Rock in Big Trouble in Little China. Are you kidding me? They're going to turn Jack
0: Burton into an action star, and that's not who he was. Oh. Yeah. That's
1: like it's like it's like, uh, it's like uh, uh, Andy Dick doing you know the Terminator or something. <laughs> like, why, why are we bothering with this shit? You know, just they're still coming out new. with those. Although so
3: about
2: I would like to that. that would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you did you see the trailer for the new Point
1: Break movie? Oh, who's who's that? And they're also no, who's in that one though? I uh,
0: nobody I, I even I know of. I,
1: I don't know. <laughs> don't. It's <the> same direction <laughs> if, though, right? Um, I think Eric's Core. No, I thought it was what Spielberg remaking that he made at one time. I can't remember what it is. But they're also doing uh, they're remaking uh, uh, Footloose. Not Footloose. No, not Footloose. The one with. Uh, the Roadhouse one, what was it called? With the guy that he just he died a while ago of brain cancer. Where um, so he's a bouncer. Oh, Road oh, Roadhouse. That's actually yeah, what it's I think called. It is Roadhouse. Yeah. Isn't it? Is it called Roadhouse? They're yeah. Remaking Matt.
0: With Patrick. The remake. Oh, really? oh man. See, and I think, I think what the problem is too, and I don't think it's the fact that they're coming up, it's a lack of original ideas. I think it's the companies, the production companies in the studios are too afraid to take risks on these original ideas. They're just putting out what they know is going to make money and what people are going to go and
1: see. Well, you know, it's a, it's, there's not, you know, and you go to meetings and networks and stuff now. It's not it's not people who have any sort of artistic talents are all behind it all now. It's just money people. Yeah. So, that's you know, it's not anybody who, you know, you go in to, to, to talk about a comedy, doing a comedy, and these people have no sense of humor whatsoever. So it's not like you can go in and talk about something with Mel Brooks anymore, you know. You're talking to an accountant basically trying to sell something. So it's, you know, it's impossible. I yeah. give up. <laughs> I, gave, I gave up when reality shows started. I just gave up. The fact that people are watching There Comes Honey Boo Boo and there's, you know, like a pedophile on the show and you know, we're glorifying that. I mean, it's, I, I've lost track of the Kardashians and all that
0: shit. Oh, I, can't, I can't stand the Kardashians, any of them. I can't stand any of them. So, uh,
1: but, I can't remember. I think it was, was it on Letterman's last show? and you guys probably won't get this joke because you're not old enough I don't think but he said uh, you know when my show first started uh, the hottest show on network TV was keeping up with the Keeping up with the DeBoers. Oh yeah. I don't know if you remember <laughs> John and Ava DeBoer. Oh yeah? So yeah. They were kind of yeah. like they were kind of like the Kardashians at their time. I thought that was one like, fucking funny line, but nobody could get it, you know. But that's what I loved about Letterman. He, again, he would just do stuff because it made him laugh. It's yeah. Everybody else laughed,
0: so. yeah. And that's the best part of it. and That's the best part of any comedy is if you can make people laugh. You know, if, if it you makes you if it makes you laugh, then that's what you should do.
1: And I tell you, the best move I ever made was. to... to stand-up to improv, because the people that I've worked with doing improv, I never would have worked with if I did stand-up. I worked with all my heroes doing improv. Jim Conway, Sid Caesar, Jonathan Winters, you know, I got to, Robin, you know, I got the work of all these people on stage that if I was doing stand-up, I never would have, you know? Yeah. Jonathan Winters and Sid Caesar, give me a break, That's I mean, you know?
0: That Sid Caesar episode where he, you guys brought him in for his birthday was such a great episode. Um, especially the game that he played in the end, the alphabet game. You know where I think it was. No, it wasn't the alphabet game. I think the it was the gibberish. The Yeah, the languages that you guys yeah. had to play. And you know,
1: he didn't. He didn't live much longer after that. You know, and he, he came in. You didn't see it when he came into the studio. But he came in on a cane. You know, and he had those those kind of velvet slippers you get from the Beverly Hills Hotel with the crests on them. You yeah. Know? I thought, this is this is old show business. You know, this is what it's. Like. And the same with Jonathan Winters. You know, I mean, these guys are just brilliant, and be able to work with them before they died. It was like you know. It's and I joke I with Colin because I keep telling Colin, you know, we're becoming kind of like the Tim Conways of our time because I I remember watching Tim Conway when I was a, I was a kid and I used to think to myself, well, he's kind of old but he's funny, you know, yeah. and I think we're kind of becoming, <laughs> that, you know, so it, it's odd in a way that we're kind of you know turning into because you never think about it that way but nah. you know i'm not happy i got the word. and carol burnett and all these people it's like you know
0: well you mentioned you i mean enjoy. yeah you mentioned carol burnett and tim conway i mean i watch clips of those old carol burnett shows and i wish someone would put them out on dvd because they are his they're yeah. funnier than anything that's on tv now
1: look it's the last time anybody did a variety show it's yeah. a dead art the variety show is a dead art nobody will ever do it again
0: yeah well, I mean, the closest thing you come yeah. now is... It's,
1: stand-ups and it's not, it's not going to happen. You know, it just can't happen. It's just... Nobody waits anymore. Everything's too fast. It's boom, 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 you know. And there's too many channels now. Nobody... You, people just flip. They flip through junk. Yeah. It's like, i got to watch shows about crab fishermen and, you know, <laughs> yeah. people and, who get hogs hogs together out of the forest. Yeah. <laughs> really? And, 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 and,
0: and people who drive on dangerous roads and... And, oh, and things oh, like that. God, oh, Jesus. You know,
3: it's everything. Yeah. It doesn't it was, matter. It's like you know,
1: American Plumber. You know, <laughs> there was
2: an entire show I saw a commercial for where all it is is women uh, giving birth in the woods. That was the entire show. Yeah,
1: yeah, of course. And you know, happy shows are bullshit. You know, these moonshiners. You can't do something illegal like that. Yeah, There's
3: no yeah. way to
1: do it on TV. They're breaking the law. You know, it's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, happy yeah. shows are just you know they give them the lines and they tell them what to do and it's, yeah, like, it's all know, scripted. People. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, want, I want to jump backwards for you know, just a minute before we let you go. You had mentioned, you know, like, you know, working with Jonathan Winters and everything. I was a, a huge, huge fan. And I spoke to Colin and Greg about this, too. So I, I'm wondering your opinion. Um, I was a huge, huge fan of Robin. I mean, he was probably my comedy idol. I was devastated when he passed. And I know you got the chance to work with him. And I'm, I'm just wondering what your impression of him was when you actually got the chance to do that episode of Who's Line with him.
1: Well, I you know, I'd worked with him quite a few times before. The first time I ever worked with him, I was doing uh, stand-up dash improv up at a place called Punchlines in Vancouver, and he was shooting Jumanji in Vancouver. I don't know. I can't even tell you what year this was. It's got to be, again, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. But he knew we did improv on Thursday, so he would come down and do improv with, with us every Thursday. We were both quite young at that time. I think. And, uh, you know, throughout the years, he kept popping into, you know, he'd come to do stuff on stage with us, and then he the one thing I always really loved about Robin is he would he never had an entourage. He would always come by himself, you know. He always had like, a, you know, a Starbucks coffee. Mm-hmm. He would come in the back, he'd come in the back door, you know, he didn't want to be seen by people. He didn't want to be, you know, the life of the party when he walked in and take focus from you. He would come in, do the show, talk to you for a little while and he'd leave. But he was never comfortable one on one. He would never if you were and him were in a room by yourselves. He he was quiet. He wouldn't say anything, you know. But as soon as you put like more than you know a couple people in the room, then he kind of came alive, you know. But uh, he he was the nicest guy in the world. He's sweaty as hell. <laughs> I, know, I know when we did Whose Line, wardrobe had five shirts for him. <laughs> oh, we wow. did one scene, Rob and I did one scene in, on Whose Line where we're on the ground and he and he rolled over me. And when he got to the other side of me, my shirt my shirt was <laughs> because of his back. Hairy, hairy, and sweaty. Yeah. But funny as hell, man. I loved him. He was just, he was a great guy. And him and Jonathan were good friends. So, you know, it was to see them both go around the same time was like, wow. You know, not a lot of death in show business really affects me. Like when Joe Rippers and people die, it's like, oh, you know, I I admire Joe Rippers. But it doesn't get, it doesn't depress me, you know. Yeah. But when those guys died, it was like when I heard Robin died. it was like, ugh. Really seriously, yeah. That
0: that's how I was too. There's not a lot of like celebrity deaths or anything that kind of affect me, but Robin really, Robin pretty hit me hard. Because I mean, I mean, obviously he had his demons, and I think I've had my share of my own too. So I kind of related to him a little bit, and I found a lot of comfort in his comedy. So obviously when he, you know, when he left us, it 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 hit me pretty hard. So I love hearing you know what other people's impressions of who worked with him and, and such.
1: Yeah, I know. So. Greg was supposed to have dinner with him like two nights after that happened. So, oh, yeah, wow. Greg and him were, were pretty close because they both started in San Francisco and broke right. and stuff there around the same time. But uh, you know, he was one of those guys that if you needed him for something, he was always there. You know, if you needed him for a benefit show or something, he'd be there. You know. I like yeah. Charlie. Charlie. Charlie's the nicest guy in the world, but if Charlie told you right now that he would be somewhere tonight, he's probably not showing sure <laughs> up. And it's not his fault. It's just, you know, something happened, you know? Yeah. You had to get money for one of his hookers or something. <laughs> but, he's, but he's a hell of a nice
0: guy, you know? Yeah. I love, I mean, I, I never looked down on Charlie, even with all that other stuff that was going on. I, I'm still a big fan of him and... You know,
1: you know what, here's the thing about Charlie, okay? And and Drew was kinda of the same way in Drew's early days when Drew used to date strippers and stuff like that. Uh, these guys never lied about anything. Yeah. They would tell you, you know, when, when that whole Heidi Fleiss thing happened, you know, Charlie was like, Yeah, I spent like five hundred thousand dollars on hungry last year, you know. He didn't <laughs> he didn't bullshit and try to, you know, like these the people do now, I mean they try to weasel their way out of stuff and need to get publicity and all that. He he always told the truth, you know. And you you got to kind of admire people for that, you know. And then they become boring to the tabloids because they're not hiding anything, you know. Yeah. So why do anything on them, you know. So,
0: um, do you still talk to Drew? I, I, you know, I know you don't, he's not hosting the show anymore, and now he's doing The prices Right, but do you still talk to him on yeah. a regular basis?
1: Yeah, I talk to him, you know, quite a bit. Not quite a bit. I'll, I'll talk to him on the phone maybe, you know, once every three months, but we'll text once in a while when I forget, you know. Oh, shit, I haven't texted Drew in a long time, you know, but... You know, you'll text him, and they will text back, miss your buddy or something. You know, he's really a, like, a sentimental guy, you know. Yeah. And plus, you know, I live in Bellingham, Washington, and he owns part of the Seattle Sounders, the soccer team. So if there's a game, he always invites me to the game. But, you know, once in a while, I get down. But, you know, it's kind of a drive. But, you know, I get down to LA, I see him once in a while. You know, But we're still... Again, he's like a brother, you know. If you don't see him for two years, it doesn't matter. First time you see him, it's like, oh, hey, you? you know what? It's back to normal again, you
0: know. Yeah. I'd love to talk to him sometime because I know uh, he doesn't know it, but Drew and I are fraternity brothers.
1: So. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. yeah you probably love that. Yeah, yeah, oddly enough, the only guy I never talked to off the Drew Carey show. I, I talked to Craig once in a while. I talked to Cabby a lot. But is Dietrich who played Oswald? The yeah, show. I did. Yeah, I did every scene with him for ten years. We were in every scene together, and I've talked to him once since the show ended because I saw him wow. on the street. Yeah, it's very
0: odd, you know. Yeah, it's very odd. And so, um, well, I, I know we don't want to keep any longer. You, you've given us more than enough time, so we don't want to, you know, take up any more of your time. Uh, one final well, question. Now
3: I'm going to go take a shower, and I'm going to take a shower and go improvise. Oh, there you go. Uh, perfect
0: one final question before we let you go oh, And over the 200 episodes you've worked with Clive you've worked with Drew you've worked with Aisha I know it's probably tough to choose do you have a favorite well you know what I, I mean Clive was
1: great because that was it was you know it was new and it was thrilling back then we did it in England you know we had to fly over to England it was brand new it was, you know, and it was, I remember Clive because of that. Then when we brought it over here, I remember because it was Drew, and I did two shows with Drew, so it was a good friend. He was really close. And then with Aisha, it was odd because, you know, we'd always made fun of Drew when we did the show and stuff. So when we started the show, it was like, oh, she's a woman. We can't make fun of her. <laughs> and then she started hacking on us. So we realized, oh, wait a minute, we can She's just sitting here hacking on us. You Fair know? game. So it took, <laughs> about, it took about a year to get comfortable with Aisha because we didn't want to, you know, again, step on toes and that kind of stuff, but she's hilarious, and she's fun to work with, so they're they're all great in their own way, you know. Yeah, uh, Aisha's very smart, you know, Drew always cracked up, and he couldn't stop laughing sometimes, <laughs> Clyde you know, Clive just had a really dry sense of humor where he'd hack on you all the time, so they were all different, and you know, the show itself, it's been the same set for, you know, since 1989 when we started, you wouldn't know what decade you were in or what We've done it in New York, we've done it in London, we've done it in L.A. I mean, you wouldn't know where you are, because chair is always the same the guy sitting to the right of me is always the same you know i got the piano on their left you know what i mean yeah. it's like when we when we started back we hadn't done it for 10 years the first show call and i looked at each other It was like we had just gone on a coffee break or something you know and that was 10 years so you know it's all the same but people it's funny because when we don't do ten, who's line for 10 years people just assume that you stopped improvising for 10 years you know yeah, yeah. You, you don't improvise anymore when you're on stage two or three times a week. You know, yeah. you, you don't give up improv- improvising just because it's lines off the air. But uh, yeah. it's a great show, and you know, it's, someday it'll run its course. But uh, I don't know when, <laughs> you know. But I don't care. We <laughs> right. want to do it. It's yeah. fine with me. Yeah, it's like yeah, Con- it's oh god,
2: it's very yeah. It's very. I'm just gonna say it's very timeless. Like the the entire prime. I mean, you could watch an episode from any of the previous iterations, and it's still funny. You know what I mean?
1: And and you you know what it's it's. It's it's cliche and I hate to say it this way, but it, it really is a show you can watch. And, and it, I should I shouldn't say that because I used to watch when my kids were little. I used to watch America's Funniest Videos with them because it was a show that the family could watch. And whose lines kind of like that. I mean, the yeah. worst thing you're going to see is two grown men kissing each other, you know, <laughs> which which little kids think is odd anyway, you know. But uh, you know it really is because we keep it clean. You know, it's a bit risque once in a while, but uh, yeah. You know, I've got so many people, girls that will come up that are, you know, 25, 26 years old. Tell me, oh, I used to watch you when I was like 6, 7 years old, which could not make you feel older. You know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, people grew up with us, which is kind of odd, I
0: think. Yeah, I still watch them. I have every episode of the of the 10-year run when you guys first brought it to America. I have every episode on my computer. Uh, there are times I'll, I'll let them run all weekend just playing on a, on a shuffle. And... Oh, no, man. You've you got to get out. you got to do <laughs> something.
1: <laughs> are you
3: under
0: house rest? Or- no, 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 no. No, it's usually during the winter when there's not really much to do and it's snowing outside and and, 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 right, that's, and stuff. That's what we make the show for. So,
1: exactly. Do
2: you, uh, <laughs> do you ever do, you ever do uh, any of your touring over on the East Coast or you stay mostly West Coast?
1: Yeah, we we have, you know, we have in years past, but I kind of I'm not a good flyer anyway. Uh, oh, so yeah. uh, you know, I'm kind of a West Coast guy. I like I like my drive-through coffee places. But <laughs> like, you
3: know,
1: okay. my, <laughs> Pacific Ocean breeze rolling in. I live on the ocean. I live on a lake, you know. And my dad was a fisherman. You know, I don't feel comfortable really unless I'm on the west coast. But we're—I mean—we're back in Toronto and around Ontario. I think in a few months, so we do get back once in a while, but not as much as we used
2: to. Okay. Uh, well, next next time I'm in uh, Bellingham, I'll I'll stop
1: in at the the theater. Please do. You'll enjoy it. I built the theater. It's perfect. An
0: absolutely perfect theater. Yeah. Well, you guys are in your third season now of Who's Lines? in Anyway. Uh, so people can catch you every Friday, CW, 8 o'clock. Uh, Ryan, this has been fantastic. We, we've been huge fans for a long time. We were so excited to talk to you. So thank you for spending well, some time thanks. with us.
3: Thanks for taking the time.
0: Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, guys, stick around. We will be back with the showcast right after this.